Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Talking Cup and this is the show that we call The Helm and the idea of The Helm is we talk to fans from clubs about how they feel about the ownership of their club, how they feel it's gone previously, how they feel it's currently gone and how they see the future going and today I'm delighted to be joined by Mr Dave Downey to discuss Everton's uh, current situation. Dave, thanks for joining us today. No problem mate, no problem. Um, Looking forward to this. Ah oh, yeah, look, this is it's always good to have a little uh, a little say, you know what I mean, about how things are going. And and like with all these shows, we've this is the second episode of the helm. We had uh, Garrett Roberts on talking about Liverpool for the fourth show, and you know, it was really good. But each show will be different, we'll have different opinions, different va- different fans, different clubs, different viewpoints, and that's what we want to get, you know. So it'll be I'm looking forward to hearing how the Everton situation is going because Gareth touched a bit on Everton and things about the stadium moving the Liverpool show. So we might look at things like that with yourself as well. So um yeah, good to have you on, Dave. Um before we get stuck into this, Dominic Calvert Lewin sent off last night. What do you make of that? So you might ask me that first. Um a bit of a joke. Isn't you know it? what, mate? I, I don't know if you've seen my uh, my Twitter this morning, but I've been getting absolute belters from uh, all sorts of Evertonians from all over the place because I said I can see why he was sent off. And that's not, that, yeah. that, that's not because I think he should have been sent off or it should have been a red card. Yeah. People have misconstrued what I've said um, because I don't. it's it, it's ridiculous that it's a red card. What I was saying was that the way refereeing is these days, the way VAR these days, as soon as his studs go up, mate, they give them a decision to make and they're yeah. always going to make it. That's the simple math that I was making, but a lot of people have thought that... I'm I'm on the side of the referee. I'm saying he got the decision correctly and sending him off. It's absolutely Sweet. nothing like that. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> when that happened, we did well to get a nil-nil draw. To be honest with you, but um, the irony of that is we've got to play that game now. It's an extra fixture that we really don't need, given the games we've got coming up. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's it's the worst case scenario, isn't it, around these? Things? Yeah. But- you know, on the situation, I was looking at it, and the thing that annoyed me, I don't think it was a red card. I agree with what you're saying, by the way. I understand why, if you go in with your stood up, your foot up like that with the studs, but he doesn't catch him. There's not even a foul given, and it's the VAR that sort of, you don't want to re-referee the game, yeah, they'll re-referee the game on things yeah. like that when there's no need, and that's where I suppose maybe the frustration does come in. But no, mm. I agree totally with what you're saying. You can understand. When he goes in like that, um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to um, to swallow, I suppose. And as you say, you'd rather win that over the ninety last night than have to go through. And I'm sure Palace are probably the same. Um, it's a game they don't want to be uh, having to replay. But look, see what happens from it. Um, mm. Do you think they'll take it seriously the rest of that cup, or will Deutsch sort of say, "Look, other other fish, other fish to fry"? I was surprised he did take it as seriously as he did. The only thing he changed yeah. was pick without put it like a reserve keeper in. Everything else was pretty much our first. I was 11. surprised, yeah, when I seen the yeah. team. I thought he was went very strong, and I was like, hmm. if, I mean, I'm 
I think I'm quite old school to say this, but if you're a point above the drop zone, a cup competition is very much further down the list, you know? Yeah. Games you've got coming up as well, as I mentioned there. I mean, next games, Villa at home, Baradi third in the league, second in the league, yeah. behind your boys. Um, then I think we've got Fulham away, and then we've got that uh, replay in the middle of those two games. So you've got three games in the space of eight days then. Yeah. that's we haven't, we haven't got a big squad as it is. Um, the players on the squad are very questionable as well. So, I mean, it, it's really not the, t- the type of game that you want to replay in. I don't know. I, I think if many Blues are honest about it, if you were given this scenario at the start of it, OK, that's a decent draw away at Palace and you're still in the Premier League. But surely in front of everything comes the, the, the Premier League, the deductions, all that needs to go on the back burner because it doesn't look like anything's going to change. And if it doesn't, we're a point above Luton. We've got a game in hand. Um, yeah. that that's that's the real issue that I've got ahead of any cup competition. I mean, I I, I understand what people were saying about the Fulham one. You know, you win, win one game at Goodison against Fulham, who you'd probably expect to have a decent game against to go into the semi final of a League Cup, the only trophy we've never won. I can understand why people are all over that. I completely understand that. But then go after that and start thinking, okay, let's go and chase the Premier the yeah, FA right. Cup, yeah. which is seven. What is it? Seven games you've got to win. Six yeah, games yeah. you've got to win to go and get it. When you in, when you're nearly sense. in the bottom three, you, you need to put yeah. that at, at best. You need to put that at, at the side of your mind. Yeah, and that was one of the reasons why I was quite surprised with the strength of team that he played uh, last night. You know, it looked like he was going for, as you say, the keeper goes in. Um, but yeah, I, I read something, and is that that the deduction will be staying at ten to ten points? The the appeal was unsuccessful. I just don't know what they on that. I thought I read something, but I didn't know it was official. I mean, I think, I think, I don't know, I might, I might be in a minority of people here, but I don't think there's any chance that that gets deducted at all. The only thing that was hopeful about with this sort of thing we've seen in the past, where you could get a couple of the points back or whatever, obviously that'd be massive if we were able to, but I think as soon as we got given them, you've got to get as quickly as possible into a mindset of them 10 points are gone, mate, you've got to crack yeah. on. And to be fair, we've done that. They did, we, yeah, we, yeah. We've done really well for them, apart from the last three games there. We probably should have got some of the spares where, again, a referee decision kicked us in the arse. Yeah. But those games before that, we won four in a row for the first time since 2002, something like that. We were in a really decent run of form. Um, so, you know, get to where we are now and you forget about losing the last three games and what happened last night. We're in a really good position that we could have not possibly been in. I think we were, we were 19th or, or bottom when they give us that deduction. So we deserve yeah. a lot of credit for that. But then to to get to where it is now and keep banging on about and the the deduction is going to come to people's mind as soon as we lose a game. Every way through this season, people are going to say, "Oh well, if we had that, we'd be in ninth. We'd be above Newcastle." You, yeah. you hear that every single week. We win a game. It's very very tiring, and 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 you know, personally thinking that you you need to get that out of your mind. So maybe you discuss at the end of the season, you know, yeah. for whatever's happened. But right now, it's not going to change. You just got to yeah. track on. You could have done without Luton actually having a bit of a, a renaissance as well and 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 creeping up. And I suppose, look, the tragedy, the tragic events around Tom Lockyer are is probably after yeah. galvanizing them and giving them. Whereas you were on our show a few weeks ago and we were talking about the deduction and, and how it could lift Everton or how it could 
sort of sink them down. And I agree, to be fair, you know, they, they sort of got those points back fairly quickly. And if Luton hadn't have been able to, to chase, he's would have been, you know, looking up, but instead, yeah. a few defeats, you end up looking over your shoulder and that sort of fear comes back in. And as you say, everyone's talking about ifs, buts and maybes. I tell you what, mate, you, you talk about Luton there as well. The irony is that Ross Barkley's turned into an Iesta while he's been playing for them. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I've seen him, he's been magic, you know what I mean? Yeah, You'll send Everton down, that's the Everton way, that, you know. Uh, it's a model, yeah. It's a model. Now, nah, look, I think is I don't think he's go down to be honest. I, I did think he's a go down last year, and you survived. And I think this year, I think Sean Deutsch will get you out of trouble, but yeah, but, it's you not... know, there's, there's been a lot of um, you know, a lot, a lot of discussion, almost cliche about oh, this is the best time to play when you've got a bottom three of that shit. Yeah. Luton aren't that shit, mate. No. You, you guys know that when you went there, yeah. Luton have got a home that tiny little ground they've got yeah. where you can fit about four fans in. Yeah. You know, they they can play there. They're a physical side. They've got a couple of bits of quality now and again. See what they did at City. They just about got a win there. Um, when your sales went down, it, it, it's I think it's a shock when you go there to what yeah. they do. They're a big physical side. That that sort of thing you get when you play away from home. It's the last game you really want to go and play because they just don't allow you to play how you want to play. So I don't think Luton should be written off by any any means necessary. You know. Yeah. Well, now and that's that's the worry for us. But look, those other teams as well are struggling down there. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how it plays out. You know, it yeah, a long way to go is what I'd say. We're only at the halfway point now, so you know, yeah. a few wins can change the the whole complete uh, complexion of the mm. the table. So look, see how see what happens. But Dave, we're going to go back a bit in time here. So we're going to talk about Everton, and we're going to go back to before. Uh, Farad Mashiri took over. So, what was the sort of vibe around the club? Who was who was in charge? Who was pulling the strings? Who was signing the checks? What was what was Everton's situation like? So, Mashiri boys the club in twenty sixteen, is it? That's it. Yeah, yeah. So, previous to that, what's the the state of play? Yeah, I mean, this is. I mean, for younger fans, you probably need this as an education, really, because it feels exactly. that long ago. But certainly, when I started getting into football in the mid nineties or very early nineties. Um, Peter Johnson, who was the owner before uh, Bill Kenwright eventually took over. I mean, the club was just all over the place. There was chaos all over the place in terms of signing players, in terms of debt that that eventually came along with him as well. Um, and Johnson eventually sold over to Bill Kenwright, who at the time, um, and many people will struggle to think that this was ever a possibility. He was, he was really well looked at and well supported given he came in um eventually you know got got the ship into a level sort of playing field started i, I mean the the thing that got to me that the everton fans weren't as bothered with and this is where this great irony that comes along in the story we're about to talk about was the we couldn't sign any plays virtually couldn't sign any plays they had a, a couple of million free every season um you know, I don't know if you remember when we signed Andre Kinchelskis, who became my oh, yeah. favourite player. That was in '95, and we bought him for five million quid from Man United. Yeah, and none of us could believe we spent five million pounds on a player. And I know that was a lot of lot of money back in the day then, but you know, to see Everton to go, go and do that, and yeah, under under Bill Kenwright, he was regarded as somewhat of a saviour. Um, at the time, a lot of controversy going on around who could potentially come in with him. Uh, he'd been at the club for a long time. He got the club in inverted commas, and just after that, he he brought in David Moyes. Um, just a couple of years after that, 
And again, you know, you, you don't need to speak to an Evertonian who will tell you that David Moyes, certainly at the start of his um, management with us, wasn't any sort of... He was a, he was a saviour for us, you know, what he did. Um, how long he stayed as well, I think that's not... That's not spoken highly enough of. We ended up with us at what pretty much twelve years. Yeah. So when that ownership happened, um, I think then things quickly started to change. In that, those late nineties into the early noughties, if you like, was when huge money really started to come in. It's when former players ended up very, very jealous that they didn't get to a stage in their career where you'd start receiving ridiculous amounts of wages on a weekly basis. Um, remember talking to so many former players and, and you can just see the bitterness in their eyes Yeah. when they think, you know what, if I was 10 years younger, I'd be sitting off in a much bigger house than what, what I'm in these days. And that, that that's as it was then. So that's just to sort of give everyone a bit of a context as to what the state of play was for Everton at that time. And then it quickly became an issue when... Moyes came in. He he covered up a lot of a lot of shit that was going on at the football club. I.e., he could barely spend anything. We got the players, the likes of uh, Tim Cale, um, got in for a couple of million quid. Uh, Julian Lescott, Arteta on loan. He becomes somebody who's like a bit of a genius when it comes to signing players when we could barely spend or piss in a pot, you know. And that in turn meant that nobody really criticised. Bill Kenwright, as much as it ended up, what was to come, because we were getting into Europe regular seasons. We, you know, even made the Champions League, and unfortunately couldn't get in it because you lot went money. Um, all of that come to pass, and then where it really became difficult was probably, I don't know, oh three, oh four, around that period of time. A lot of people would say earlier than that was where Evan just simply didn't have the money to go and crack on from where they were. You think of that time when we did get into fourth and we got yep. the qualified against Villarreal, which is infamous now, <laughs> given how it worked out. Um, that season, uh, I remember it quite vividly, that there was no money to go and improve on what you'd gone and done. Any club back then, maybe not as much nowadays, because most clubs up at that part of the table have a decent amount of cash to go and spend for players. When we got in the top four, I think we signed one player on loan in that summer. Now, if you reach even Europe, but in this particular time, top four position, you need to go and capitalise on it. You need to step into the next season thinking we've gone and signed half a dozen to ten players here of quality, decent quality, who you can go and play a season with multiple games, a lot more games that you've been playing, but also you're playing against the elite of Europe, effectively, if you get there. Um, and then the, it's, a, it's a massive reason why I think we didn't get there was that we didn't we didn't supplement what we'd just done the season before. Um, and chairman-wise, that was when it really started to hit against Bill yeah. Kenwright. <clears throat> that was a little time after we were meant to have, and you know, we going to talk about the new stadium, when we had what it was thought to be where the King's Dock is now, that was meant to be where Evans Stadium was going to be. Bill Kenwright assured everybody it'd be there. He assured everybody that the money had been ring-filled, ring uh, whatever it is, whatever that saying is, um, ring-fenced, and yeah. clearly didn't happen. It clearly, the, the everything that was assured to us just didn't happen, and that's when the, the real pure hatred came in towards Bill Kenwright. 
So then the years to come from there, um, that that the highs and lows of Moyes being in there, who was a miracle worker as far as we were concerned. Um, you know, it, it felt quite quickly within a couple of seasons after that, certainly after qualifying for the Champions League. That became known as that's the ceiling we're going to reach here. This cannot get any higher, nor can it be sustained. There's no way ever it can stay where they are without a supplement um, of, of, of signings. I'm not talking about going out and, play, and paying silly amounts of money. Because um, back then, you, you, you think about, I don't know, 15 to 20 million quid for a player was a huge amount of money yeah. back in 2004, 2005. Yeah. We, we couldn't go anywhere near that anyway. Loans were the sort of thing we're looking at, which is what more is greater. So then quite quickly after that stadium not coming up and you're seeing Paul McCartney put on concerts at the King's Dock and you're seeing lovely little things going on for the kids and all that part on the Albert Dock. That should have been, anytime you drove past it, every Evertonian would look at that and a tear would come to your eye because that's where Everton should have been. And people still say that now regardless of the new, big, nice new one up the road. Um, so that was a real <clears throat> that was a real end of the road for Bill Kenwright for many fans, the criticism yeah. of him. So he was desperate. I mean, he, he's he's a, th- a philanthropist of the way he, way he was. He was um, very happy to speak as open as he wanted to. He was, a, he was an actor. He was an entertainer. That didn't go his way as much as he would have liked it or thought it would have. And um, when he come out and said things like, I remember going to interview him at the Philharmonic and he talked so open about Everton, which, you know, People of other clubs, fans of other clubs would say, oh, do you know what? That He must be a really nice guy. I don't deny that he's not a nice guy, but what I do deny is he knows anything about football. Um, and he was talking about, I asked him the last question I asked, I was talking to him for about half an hour. I said to him, what about signings? And he just, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't on the video when I, was, when I was talking to him and he just shook his head at me like that. And I was Get like, you just, me, you just don't want me to talk about that, do you? And he was like, <laughs> No, no. And then he just said something like, oh, we'd love to sign everyone we want, but, you know, that, that old cliche stuff like football's not like that and, uh, yeah. you know, everyone needs to make sure they've, they can, they've got the right books on them and things like that. And then we got to 2016, mate, where he openly said beforehand, I can no longer sustain what uh, a club should be because billions should be there instead of millions these days. That's what we need to see. And he's absolutely right. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He's absolutely right. And that was when, um, you know, people pulling the hair out and stuff like that with the fact that Everton weren't going along with other clubs. I think, I think you know, you go back to Chelsea, who broke the mould um, when Abramovich came in. United were always the way they were, given what they were like since the Premier League started. Um, things like that were starting to happen a lot. And... That made it even more infuriating for many of us because you're like, well, Everton as they were, which obviously many people watching this right now wouldn't wouldn't agree for me to say this, but the size of Everton and what they were when the Premier League started, for us to not be involved in then top four or five clubs that came on to what became the Premier League, we're very, very bitter about it. And I think rightly so. I mean, if you become that club that was the one that sort of fell away, the one that was yeah, sort of... nearly men. Exactly right, exactly right. That's an excellent way of putting it. To get to that stage made it really, really difficult. And then when he's come out saying these things, I've got to go and get as a billionaire, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, uh, along comes Farhad Mashiri, um, which at the time, and it's obviously one of the questions you, you, you asked me about him, 
he came in and like anybody else, naivety isn't even the word you could use on that. You are just absolutely delighted that anybody's come in with a billion on quit has come in to save your club in inverted commas. And I think everybody thinks that of owners. I mean, I don't need to mention the words FSG for for you guys to think that, you know. And I do, I do look at a lot of similarities, really, the way Everton have turned out since those days with 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 yourselves. Um, because right now, people want him out. I would say probably equally or even more so than when um, Hicks and Gillette rocked up. You know, yeah. Um, the way in which that turned out is where. You know, it was like watching it was like watching East Enders or something the way in which yeah, this happened. Too much of a drama. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean when, when he when he when he turned up and he come out and he, he's talking about things saying that, you know, we need to ensure that the club doesn't become a museum, coming out with all these cliches. I think Lovely Bill Kent right might have sold them a few of them, you know, um yeah. some of the things he said. And then um he the way he spoke, um everything that he walked in about, you know, you he had the maddest touch, as far as we were concerned, when he walked in, talking about you know players to come in. Um, Bill was still going to be involved, but being you know more of a, a capacity where he's the just chairman by voice only, by word yeah, only. Yeah, um, hands sort Yeah, and and then we were incredibly excited. You know, we went um, and people start laughing at some of this now, but I remember one of the first transfers we went and got was Michael Keane for thirty million from Burnley. Back then, you're like, wow, we've run and spent 30 million on a player. That I think he became our um, record transfer. We got uh, Pickford in, who's still laying out to his credit. Um, players were starting to come in on big amounts of money. Very easy to get carried away by that, of course it is. Um, when you haven't had it before and you set, you see you, you own it. I mean, the songs for him and all that saying, you know, and you remember this, you know, with the Maisie the Maisie side. Millionaires, millions, yeah. millions of billionaires are back, and <laughs> you know we're going to be alongside Liverpool. We'll be competing for everything again soon. And do you know what? I, you can see why people get away with that. You know, get carried away with that. But at the time when you see somebody come in who can compete financially, uh, eventually when the club gets to a situation where they can compete, yeah, then you think, do you know what? That could actually you could see that happening in in, in a distant future. But then. Um, Quite quite quickly, it became known that he was he was an accountant. He had nothing to do with football. If you look back at what he did at Arsenal, he had nothing to do with football. He was just uh, somebody who invested money. Um, when he's come to Everton, he's seen this as his own train set. Um, he's decided to not essentially. I mean, we got in um, a few different uh, directors of football. Steve Walsh, he was. Uh, he, he, was loved at Le- yeah. well, he was loved at Leicester because he went and got them all the players that won them the league yeah. in 2016. Got him in. Um, Marcel Brands. Brand. Yeah, Marcel Brands, yeah. Um, people like that who, having, having spoke to people around Marcel Brands, were talking about this guy would do what he suggested and he was getting ripped apart by fans for signing players that he hadn't even picked himself. Yeah. So we quickly started to find out that it was Michel who did this. Um, felt he could step in when he wanted to. Uh, seen a player that one of his mates had recommended and would go and get him. And then you, you start, he's starting to paint a picture of somebody who doesn't really get what the club needed. And even if he felt he did, he'd still go about it himself to make decisions that absolutely nothing, nothing about football. Um 
when you own something, you think you're entitled to it. But in football, that's very much not the thing, is it? You you yeah. need a structure around you. Look at the success Liverpool have had. Is is it because Michael Edwards was there, wasn't he? And all of those yeah. various things that happened. That is the structure. That is the way in which you should run something, which is operated at a hell of a lot of money, where the high stakes are there for you to go and sign the correct players. Now, don't get me wrong, not every director of football is going to get it right every time. With Everton, we got it wrong every time. And it was because of him. You know, um, Yerabchin became one of his best friends, whispering in his ear all over the place. Um, you had people around him where he became so naive that they were happy. He was happy to give them money because it was nothing to him for him to do so. And the, the, I mean, how, how much of an idiot that man is to get to a position where we've come up to nowadays, aside from deductions, but having what, you know, FFP was going to be, what it is these days and things, doesn't look like he'd even looked at anything, a, a, yeah. a piece of paper with what looks like a piece of, a bit of money on it, you know, and, yeah. and that sort of, I think that's a rough outline, mate. Sorry for banging on for no, no, Jesus Christ, no, no, go. Yeah. This is this is the whole point, Dave. This is what we want to be talking about here is the yeah. fans' views on these things. So when Mashiri Force comes in, was that excitement with the fact that he's you know he's coming from Arsenal, um, and it's being advertised, you know, that he's he's coming from Arsenal and 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 he's involved, and it turns out as you've touched on there that he's not a football man at all. But was that a sort of a Bill Kenroy, as you say, he took the club as far as he could and the animosity that was sort of built in the fan base between, you know, club and fans. Mashiri was seen as a as a, a bastion of hope and I suppose Alistair Uzmanov is his partner, isn't he, at the time? Yeah. And, you know, he's, you've got that whole thing then that transpires there. But there was, there was money and, as you say, you're, you're bringing in Michael Keane and you are bringing big signings. But as an outsider looking in, I remember... The summer when you bought a load of players that were just the same player, and you're looking at with they brought in Davy Class and they brought in was it Sigurdsson, was it Wayne Rooney? They brought a load of players who play in that sort of number 10. And you're looking and you're thinking to yourself, What's going on there? Because yeah, where's yeah, the yeah. plan? Because you touched on it with Liverpool, right? They have a structure in place, but there's always a plan. You can't have interference from the owner. You look at Chelsea, what's happening there. But there was always a plan. And you're looking at Everton and you're saying, what are they doing here? Because these players don't yeah. look like they're going to mesh and build a team. And it's just, they're throwing shiny new things at it. But as a Liverpool man, and obviously I'm not neutral, I wouldn't say we're neutral. <laughs> but you're looking at it and you're saying, this this is going this isn't going to end well. And was that that sense that there, there was a bit of a scattergun approach and it was I think there was eventually, but like that, that naivety any club has when a new a new player comes in, you start thinking, yeah. you know, oh, he's gonna score all sorts of goals, or this lad's gonna be the one that makes us kick on to the next level. There was plenty of that, as you can imagine. Yeah. I think that is a natural way of looking at it. But when you start looking at the sentimental side of things, I you mentioned Wayne Rooney there, who I wasn't even thinking about. Yeah. He comes back over in, in twenty eighteen and people are delighted it's getting Wayne Rooney back, you know, the, the boy that was and all this sort of thing. And and remember he scored in his first game back. Uh yeah. we won one nil at home to Stoke on the opening day of the season. And I don't think I've heard the goal celebrated more than that. And look, I get I get I get the side of it. I'm sort of probably support the side of it where you're seeing a lad from five miles up the road who come back and was our saviour even when he went for 30 million over to Man United. He comes back and does that. Yeah. You're like, fucking hell, this is the best thing that I've seen for a while at the club. Yeah. 
everything around it you've just mentioned there though the likes of Davy Klasner, sort of, you know, Smith, that when you mentioned his name. Sigurdsson, who ironically went on to think he scored the last, he was the last goal scorer for us when we won during COVID at Anfield. I don't need to say what happened after that with him. Whatever happened to him with these days. Another shot. Tales for another day. But on that, but on that, it just goes to show everything wasn't getting the luck either. Do you know what I mean? Because Sigurdsson was a big money signing. And then it's just gone. You know what I mean? Well, he never, and, and he never just... hit the heights. I mean, as much as I say that, I mean, he seems got a decent goal or two. The lad was great when he was at Swansea. Um, looked like a decent signing, but again, somebody else who became our record sign. And if you start thinking, you know, with a little bit of hindsight, you think, what what are we fucking playing yeah. up there? And he was 30 years old when you go and do that. And that goes back to what I referred to there, the structure. You know, you're getting in, you know, directors of football, you're not even saying... You know, he must be turning around virtually and saying to these, oh, you can have your day off. I've already found out this other player that we want to go and get. Yeah. Remember the lad called Sandro as well? Yeah. Um, he was he was the next prodigy coming over from, from Spain. From Spain the, the lad yeah. could barely kick a ball. Um, it was, it, it, I mean, outside of us, <laughs> and I, I, I don't know if it's the right to even laugh about it now because a result of everything that's happened under the machine is exactly why we are where we are now. Yeah. But I do... I do look back on it, as you've seen, with um, a little bit of a smile in terms of what we were doing with finances at that time that got us eventually to the situation we're in yeah. now. And this is it, you know, and it's it's easy to, and, and I get 100% what you're saying, I think every fan loves to see new signings coming in, but I'd forgot about Sandro, you know, I forgot you even bought him, and you're like, Jesus Christ, like, and yeah. it's money that you're getting, and you're getting zero return. You're getting nothing on the pitch. You're getting nothing back off on the books. And it just seemed to Ashley be... Ashley Williams, a, mate. That's the one I forgot. Yeah. Ashley Williams. Combined about 10 million. We, it was known as... or We became known as amongst ourselves. We go to the lesser clubs and end up signing their best players. That was the policy we looked at doing. Yeah. So you think Swansea, you go and get Sigurdsson and you go and get Ashley Williams. You go to Sunderland, you go and get their best goalkeeper and he's, yeah. he's regarded as their best player. That's what we became. You weren't happy to take the best players from shit clubs, shit teams, not shit clubs, shit teams. Yeah. How, how can how can that be a possible structure of something you want to do that's, that's positive? Because you yeah okay fine. You signed and you signing in lads who were good, but they're good for them. Do you want them to go yeah. good for yourselves if they've got to take that step up? Who we still got here now? And I know your your lads will take the piss, but it's Pickford. Yeah. Pickford's been with us for nine, eight years now. He's, he's the number one for England and, you know, the small hands thing and all that, I'll get fucking people to take the piss out of that, and rightly so, because everyone else would yeah. do it, you know, but he's been outstanding for us for a very, very long time, Pickford. I'm surprised we've still got him and still had yeah. him, because you'd think a lot of clubs outside of certainly our city anyway must have looked at him seriously as a goal. You look at what's going on at United with that lad they've got in goal who can't even he's catch the ball. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me if they, if they came and had a good look at getting Pickford in. And I know I, I don't know why he hasn't left if he's been offered somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the players there are just astonishing to, to reach a level that we're at now. And, um, you know, a lot... I've, I've been I've been massively, massively criticised for saying so to report you so in many ways. And that's what's happened. That's what's happened with Bill Kenwright going. And it's the, the most ironic thing of irony is that he went and got a billionaire in who's just been an absolute idiot and made his even worse. Yeah. 
the it thing is you're crying out for. <laughs> yeah, the thing you're crying out for, it comes in and you think, right, this is the happy ever after. And, and it doesn't exactly. work. And something you touched on there, you know, and this isn't a dig, by the way. You know, you're saying everything are going to clubs and they're taking the, the best player off the worst teams. Liverpool were doing that as well. But when we take an Andy Robertson from a hole or a Gene Van Alden from Newcastle, they're going into a team with a structure and a plan and a purpose. And and it, it a dedicated plan. Like when Alden comes in as a number 10, and they eventually drifts back and back, and he becomes a workhorse in midfield, and becomes a key cog. Ashley Williams, there was no plan. You're talking, you're talking about on the pitch, structures yeah. strictly of on the pitch. There's a plan, yeah. Exactly. In in regards to Everton, it's very much the opposite in the go and get a name as quick as you can. Go and get a name that's costing us a few quid. I don't care what it costs. Yeah. Go and get them now. And the idea is, well, we'll go and get this lad who's adored, by Swansea, you'll have Swansea, you know, absolutely gutters. You'll put all sorts of news out about how gutters Swansea are to lose Sigerson, and then yeah. all of a sudden that'll make fans feel like we've gone and signed a really good player. That 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 seemed our structure rather than you actually having on the pitch sense yeah. about yeah. going and getting these lads. Yeah, it it it's crazy, you know. And <clears throat> I suppose like transfer was, and that's where everything, you know. The, the, the money they wasted has led to the trouble they're in now. But, you know, if we go back and Farhad, Farhad Moshiri is playing out and how do you feel it went? Was it was it good? Did it, at the beginning, was it good and it then slumped? Or was there always a scepticism there that this fella, that there's nothing, something not right here? I know we said about the signings can always make it a bit. But was, this, was that stuff happening behind the scenes? As you say, Steve Walsh is coming in, Marcel Brandt is coming in. Was that stuff happening behind the scenes that gave you hope that, right, this could be the fella, this could be the one, you know what I mean? We're going from having someone with a theatrical background who's a millionaire to having a, a billionaire, and this is this is what we're doing. Was, was there early optimism as, a, as it was going through, and when did it start to dip? Yeah, I think I think when he first came in, maybe you, you were cock-a-hoop with it. We, yeah. We couldn't believe it happened because it was it was a form of luck that it happened to us that never that never happens to us. You know, we, we yeah. have that story about us. You know, you know, it's always why always us and all that stuff. <coughs> Excuse me, the say in Everton that and all that sort of thing. When when that happened, and again, all your all your guys will have heard the shout that the the Merseyside billionaires are back and um, we're on our way back to song and all that stuff. Which the power shift you think and back, all this. Sort you think of stuff. back now, mate, it's so so cringy. Um, <laughs> But you know what? Like, like, why would you not feel that way? Why would that's what you're in it for? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's what it. you're a fan of the club, like, and and this is an issue we do have, you know. Yeah. Dictating I mean, how people really, support and all that. You're a fan yeah. of the club. You react accordingly. You know what I mean? It's it's really sad. It's really sad then that nothing followed that whatsoever. Um, you know, look at the run of managers we ended up with. We got rid of um, Martinez. Then we went and got uh Kuman. When we got Kuman in, yeah. mate, that was like that was like this is it now, this is the big time. Yeah. He was an absolute flop. Um, he, was he straight from Southampton? Was he he was at Southampton yeah, then you yeah, yeah, there was all sorts of shit that went on with that. It was like when you knew yeah. went and got Lovren. It was that sort yeah. of thing, getting Kuman from Southampton. Southampton love a good battle with Mersey Side, mate. Don't even <laughs> off yeah. the pitch. So we went and got him. Um and then that's when those silly signings of like said. Davy Klassen, um, Ashley Williams. Um, it become it become difficult quite quickly to watch. But then, when you do have that feeling towards somebody coming in, where 
money's no object. You think, oh, we'll go and sort that out. Yeah. And my, uh, with Steve Walsh there, that that followed suit with him being somebody who's seen again somewhat of a saviour who what he did at Leicester. You're thinking, oh, if he comes and does like even 1% of what he's done at Leicester, then we're going to be much, much better. Um, guy seemed to come in and just look like he was a fella in a suit who got paid something to turn up. There was a <laughs> there was a really funny picture of him, um, and I'll get it if anyone wants to see it, where apparently we were interested in signing a few players in Milan, and he was sent over to Italy, and it looks like a roasting hot summer's day when he's over there. Yeah. And he's just got this tiny little... A briefcase with him, his sunglasses on. He's taking the tie off his shirt, and like he was there, he was meant to be there for like three days to organise some deals. Came back with absolutely nothing. So people have started taking the piss, saying, "Has he got a three three year holiday, a yeah. three day holiday over in Milan? Are we taking the piss?" So he started getting slated, um, and that that was when that was when things started to drop a little bit. Keith, in in, in terms of you looking at something that. It's never gonna quite work out. This it's never gonna come to fruition. There was there was still there was still a naivety and a positivity, thinking, well, if you're yeah. a, if you're a billionaire, you can go and change this in the click of a hand, you know. And then we realised that the the guy with the the money um, just felt like he didn't really have. And he comes across to me still as somebody who's, who's quite crazy. Um, we've seen people who own clubs like that. The, do you remember the Venkies, the Blackburn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, seven, seven, seven thing, which we'll talk about. That they come across as that sort of thing. You know, the the, the reason why, and again, going back to to Hicks and Gillette, the, these people somehow managed to enter football. I've no idea how and why. Yeah, you mentioned Usmanov there as well as best mate. There were that was very cloak and dagger. Um, he he signed up. There was loads of sponsors of. of um, Companies that they own, like this USM group that you've seen the, yeah. seen the image all over the club. Then what happened with Russia, where he's got the sanctions, he can't even touch Everton these days. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in, in the background there that I don't think any of us are ever going to be privy to. Yeah. And we're still sitting here fuming with how things change now. So we come into 2016, I would say, when you get up to the time when we went and got um, Ancelotti, which you know, I still it still beggars belief how we went and got that man. Yeah, I was it's a bit surprised at that one at the time myself. I'm not gonna lie, absolutely astonishing. Um, and you, you could you, that that name and Everton shouldn't even be anywhere near each other. Let's be fair. We went and did that in COVID. The younger <laughs> James Rodriguez, you're like, what is going on here? Yeah. Um, this this isn't Everton, and and the irony was that it was um, COVID when all that happened, so barely any of us got to see him. Yeah, but you, you, even then you started thinking, okay, you go and get Ancelotti as your manager. You go and get James Rodriguez as one a world class player who's won a World Cup or been player of the tournament at a World Cup finalist. And then you start thinking, well, yeah, you've still got Mason Holgate playing next to you, mate. Do you know what I mean? You you <laughs> you've still got Michael Keane sitting behind you, and you're James James Rodriguez. Is that going to work? No. If you go for a game of footy in the in the park and your best mate turns up, he was captain of the school team. Everyone's delighted, but you're worse than him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's um, yeah, only as good as the tills that he's walking with, isn't he? <laughs> exactly, mate, exactly. And you know, you look at that with plays these days where you know, ones who look decent for us, like you mentioned Carvel Lewin there, who had the real talent. I think he's got real issues these days. Yeah. Look like he's an England player and stuff like that. 
you look at an Everton team who's, who's given crosses into him. You know that that's always been an issue in many clubs, hasn't it? You've got you 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 know your top player, your top goal scorer. They'd have a hell of a lot more if you had somebody in and around them who could help them out with that. Um, and that's what we've we've suffered with for, for quite some time. But yeah, it's um, that 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 with Machiri, mate. It's it's one of the biggest letdowns I've ever seen in our football club, and and it's down to him for this time. Normally, it'd be well. It's the fault of fans kicking off. It's the fault of manager. He's solely down to this for X amount of years. He's yeah. solely down to how Everton have ended up right now. And I suppose when you think about it, you touch on Ancelotti coming in there. Well, Koeman comes in in 2016. There's been a flood of managers there, hasn't there? That you know, Koeman comes in. Uh, who's after? Is uh, Marco Silva after Koeman? Um, yeah, I didn't mind Silver. I thought Silver had a lot of good ideas. He's doing really well at Fulham now as well. Yeah. Um, but but the, it was the, and it's it's what I'm sort of going to lead on to here is yeah. you bring in these managers and then you get rid of them. But they're actually good. They're they're a long term sort of maybe appointment, but they don't get the 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 results at the back. And so you're bringing in a Marco Silva, and you have to give him time. And then you have a Sam Allardyce in there. <laughs> And when Sam Allardyce goes in, is he spend the money when he goes in there? Does he bring in Theo Walcott or? The... Yeah, Theo Walcott and um, Chen Tosin. Um, yeah, like if the, the money that's being spent exactly on on players for a manager that there was no way he was a long term. Um... No, he wasn't, and he, he was initially brought in. And again, this this goes back to what the sort of narrative I've been on about with Machiri choosing things himself. Yeah. Who's he gone up to and said, what do you think about getting Sam Allardyce in here when we were 14th or 15th in the league after 10 games? Yeah. There's nowhere near the amount of panic there's been in the last three seasons. Yeah, he thinks yeah. it's time to get rid of Marco Silva. We desperately need to go and get, after, what, 10, 11 games in a season, go and get a saviour like Sam Allardyce. You know, it's, it's, I'd, love, I'd love that fella to write a book eventually. Machiri yeah. and just just open up how he was as a as an owner. He's never going to do that, obviously. But some yeah. of some of the nonsense that's gone on there, and then lo and behold, when when Allardyce came in, um, and he got us that lucky draw we had at Anfield. Do you remember when Calvert Lewin gets pushed that well, yeah, say yeah. pushed down by Lovren, <laughs> and people are going ballistic about it, and yeah. we ended up getting a point there. That 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 was what Everton became then a proper a side that just wanted to piss other people off. Yeah. Get thirty-five points and you stay in the Premier League, and then he he got automatically sacked, um, and then you started seeing the likes of Benitez, um, which again I, I think Rafa Benitez to me, if any Blues are watching this, they're probably going to hate what I've said here, but I think he's a fantastic manager. Yeah, he yeah. always has been, um, in, incredible human being as well. Um, him coming in at Everton was never going to work in my opinion. No, but I wish it would. I really wish it would. Because if if he was accepted to some sort of more extent than he was, he would have done fine at Everton, absolutely fine at Everton. Mm. You look what he did at Newcastle. You look at what he did at clubs. The things just never fell in line for what he actually needed to do there. The, the, the way in which he plays would have fitted the way Everton have desperately needed for quite some time. When you go com- in comparison from that, Frank Lampard... You're looking at you mentioned it yourself there quite rightly so. You've got that many different managers who all want to do different things. There's only each one of them had a different amount of money to spend to go and try and yeah. build the side that they wanted. It's unfortunate that I think who did um Benitez went and got uh, Nathan Patterson, 
who is going to be a top class. Yeah, he looks uh, a good player. Right back. Uh, and then he went and got Michalenko, who yeah. is our player of the season by some some margin. Most Blues would tell you. Yeah. Um, it's quite funny that that's ended up the case because when we went and got them for thirty odd million quid, people were like, "What the fucking hell is Benitez doing here?" <laughs> yeah. And now you're looking at it, well, two and a half, three years down the line, saying yeah. he's kind of our best two players that we've got a fullback. And when he's injured, we're playing Ashley Young there instead. Yeah, yeah, so it's a sign of the times. But it's funny, the Benitez thing was always a curious one because I agree, I, I love Benitez, obviously, you know, biased, red, uh, red, you know yeah. what I mean? But I always felt, if I took me red-tinted glasses off, I thought... Rafa Benitez at that time and Everton were a marriage made in heaven. If you if the fans could have just took the Liverpool side out of that, yeah, but that was never going to happen. That's the real. It was problem, never. It was impossible. It? it was impossible yeah. to happen, Fo- and football, it was the one. Football is nothing in that. In that, what happened yeah. there? No one's asked about football. Yeah, it was Everton getting a Liverpool manager, and that's it. Yeah. Full and we don't want him. We don't want him. Get and you're out. looking, yeah. and yeah. you're thinking, no, he's he's he can do things. For you. Look, you said Demardi Gray brings in Demardi Gray there, doesn't he? On a, a free or something when he yeah, goes in, yeah. he had no money, and he was one of your best performers. And Andros Towns, and you know, we were picking up all these bargain basements. And then, as you say, when he's spending the money on Michelenko, and that's like, whoa, 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 what's happening here? Why is he spending this? It was just unfortunate the way it happened now because I genuinely think that Rafa and Everton would have been a great fit for where Rafa. Do you know what, Keith? We, we were we first five games when he was in charge, we won four and yeah. drew one, and we were top of the table yeah. under Benitez. And I'm not joking, mate. People couldn't handle it. Yeah, people, how do you people react? Were walking around, <laughs> make walking in circles, like throwing their heads against walls, thinking, "What, what yeah. what's going on here?" Imagine we went for the trophy. This. Just yeah, imagine yeah, yeah. Everton won the trophy with Rafa Benitez. I think even you a lot of be laughing their heads off about that yeah. today. We fucking told you so. Yeah, um, but that Yeah, but from that that sort of thing we've been talking about there, that does show you the distance in which uh, Mashiri travelled when he first came, a um, and uh, you know, eventually an Ancelotti to Allardyce and then Lampard. Yeah, you look at that, mate, and you're thinking, "Fucking hell, mate!" He need, you know, he needs to be in an, an asylum. This fella, <laughs> what what is going on that you end up with this? And I'm, and again, I'm. There's no there's no evidence that he was given this by directors of football or anybody else. He solely made these decisions himself, which is which is baffling. Um, and you know, I said that thing. You you read what you sow. If it wasn't an Evertonian, I'd be looking at us thinking Everton probably deserve what they're getting right now. Um, I would obviously wouldn't say that about my own club because I think we've no. been fucked over with the ten minute, uh, the ten point deduction. You deserve a punishment, but you know everybody references what's happening at City and other clubs, it, Chelsea. Yeah. People are going to say that, but when Everton do what they've done and Mashiri does what he's done, it's inevitable that you're going to get some sort of punishment. It shouldn't be what it's been, but yeah. Everton are going to get a, more than a slap on the wrist when you end up being that club that has. You know, gone beyond FFP and whatnot. And the the problem I well, I don't know if we discussed this when you were on our show before, Davis. I just feel Everton were a soft target because yeah, they're a big name. They're not a big club, unfortunately. For is they're not the big club anymore, but they're a big name. And if you're so, well, look what punishing Everton. Everton are one of the biggest clubs in England. You know what I mean? They're a storied mm. history club. They're an easy target. You know what I mean? And I think that's where the frustration yeah. comes from. Right, if Everton are getting hit for ten points. For being what was it, 19 million or something 
Eltoy. Yeah, I think I think that that point you've made there that they make on on the last show um, about Seven being an an easy target. I think we're starting to hear sort of things like that about the likes of Nottingham Forest, about Aston Villa, clubs like that who who are being looked at quite deeply, given what happened to us. Villa and a massive club, Aston Villa, huge. Um, look like they're going to be now as well, the, the way they're going. Yeah. Um, but very similar to Everton in many ways, you know, in, in the 80s, 70s, 80s clubs that won trophies, um, yeah, league won. titles and yeah. things. Again, become some some side that's really easy to say, do you know what, you're getting that much deductive from you. It's easier for them to do that than to go and do what Man City absolutely deserve it's you know it's, it's clear as water what we're seeing going on at city chelsea for several years it, it it it's staggering how difficult the premier league to find going and looking at them it's so easy for them to look at everton and th- them couple of clubs i've messaged uh, i've mentioned there and say show you how hard it is nobody else should be doing what this has done but yeah. because city and chelsea did it a couple of years ago they're not asked about that because the, the big thing they can say is the headmaster showed up. You, you and you can't fucking do it. But those did it ages ago, so they're all right. Exactly. And it, it, it's a good way to put it. You know, it's it's in that sort of terms. You know, yeah, this happened. But we're not going to worry about them. We just can't do it going forward. And it is frustrating. You know, and I'm sure a lot of Liverpool fans that will watch this and will listen. I know I'm not speaking for everyone. I'm speaking for myself. But I'm 43 years old. When I'm growing up, those teams you mentioned, Nottingham Forest, Aston Villa, Everton, big, big clubs. Right, the biggest clubs in England, along with Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United. Yeah, Manchester City were not a big club. Chelsea, Chelsea. I was watching Premier League thing from nineteen ninety three. Premier League years nineteen ninety three. Chelsea still had cars parked at the back of the goal in Stamford Bridge. Do you know what I mean? They were not a big team in the eighties yeah. and in the into the nineties, and then they sort of picked it up a bit. But you see the the Everton's, the Villas, Spurs, and the you know Forest, Forest, Forest with the, the yeah. Europa Cup, European Cup. Yeah, they won European two European cups, you know, winning leagues, challenging leagues, you know, and these are the, the things that yeah. I felt, yeah, that were always the sort of oh well, they're a big name, so we'll we'll take these down. And it's just look, it's not fair. One thing I want to touch on actually, um Kev asks in the chat, what about the academy? Has the investment dried up because that's vital for most clubs? Was there Everton were always producing good young players, and uh, he goes on to say Brantwaite aside. Look, that kid looks like he's destined for great things. And Everton have always sort of had them go back to our Ross Barkley, who we touched mm. on, the Jack Rodwells of this world. There was always a player that had come out and Wayne Rune. You know, there was always a good um, line, but there was always <laughs> good players coming in below that yeah. as well. Is that what's the situation with the academy there? Is that getting much, much heat? I know, as you say, Brandway, Brandway's been away on a couple of loans. Johnny Kenny was one that was going away on loans. Like, is there anything coming out there, or is that sort of the well drawing up there as well? That's a really good point. I mean, it, it was a bit of a conveyor belt. Um, I'd go back to as as early as maybe four or five years ago. There was always a player or two that stepped up yeah. and was able to get on the bench and get game time, and you know, eventually they'd be getting quite quite regular, uh, quite regular play um, for the first team. You think about, I mentioned Mason Hallgate. You mentioned John Joe Kenny. Um, Players who had never really worked out for and probably not as good as what you needed for the yeah. Premier League. Um, you know, the, the, the days of Rooney, even when we had Tony Ibbett and, and players like yeah. that, we, we'd have a consistent amount of players that came through. There's a lot this season, uh, Lewis Dobbin as well. 
scored a big goal against Chelsea the other week. He looks like he's going to be a talent. Yeah, that that's a really good question, though, because the academy has moved hand in hand with the difficulty the clubs had. Not seen somebody of relative quality that's come through for quite some time, apart from that lad I just mentioned to you there. Yeah. Um, it's you know it, it's funny, isn't it? Because you always every club Liverpool the same as us. You always you always catch wind of. Oh, there's a lad there that looks. Yeah. Who's, who's the kid you've got there that looks about five foot tall? What's his bloody name? In the U team. Uh, sorry. In the U team. Yeah, I've seen uh, him play a couple of games in the in the um, in the. Um, what's in the reserves? Yeah, I think it was. He's a tiny lad. Can't remember who I'm talking about any, but there's always a couple. You he's about the size of uh, Harvey Elliott, <laughs> and he's a scout lad. And, and somebody was saying, you know, he's going to be shit off this fella. You know, the way you'd see that and somebody would say, oh, do you know what, you should see how good this kid is that we've got. And you always yeah. end up seeing a few more people going along to a reserve game and whatnot. We've got nothing like that right now. With all due respect to these kids who are trying to, you know, kick on. There's nothing that is of note that's ever been referred or rumoured about. Or, you know, you'd always see someone in a pub saying, oh, do you know what, he's my mate's lad there and he's going to yeah. be world class. And um, Again, and, and, and it's another... It's um, an underrated real issue because that is your bro- your bread and butter of what you need if you can't afford to buy anybody. You yeah. you look immediately to that and you think you you know go straight to under eighteens and then look up, see what's available there. Um, and you know I I used to it used to do my head in when you used to see players that you bought or professional players that end up playing in the reserve team because I always thought when one or two of them go in. Yeah. That means the lads who are around you are going to miss out on an opportunity to kick on. We used to be a club that did that a lot, but normally to, to answer that question, there, um, there's there's nothing going on in the academy at all. Yeah. Um, well, that toys in to... really. If you bring in a Frank Lampard, and Frank Lampard would have said, "Well, you done good work with the young players in Chelsea. You brought through yeah. the young players at Chelsea. You done it at Derby, and then he's at Everton, and the the yeah." The line is stopping, you know, so it, it it builds into the whole sort of uh what was going on. Where's the thinking? There's no no joined up thinking really in the club. Well, look, I'm not yeah. Well, the, 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 with, with the, the Brantwick thing when he when he came over from Carlisle, there was there was you know, you go and get a youth player from somewhere else, you think this lad must have a talent, yeah. Then he played a couple of games and people were really promising, and then it was like, I actually think for once the club made a good decision in saying go out on loan. <laughs> to a good side, went over to PSV. Yeah. Um, remains to be seen, or if you watch any any of it, you know where he wears the cut the countries in. Would that sort of translate properly to the Premier League? This lad's came to, to back to us, mate. I'm not joking. He's um, he's going to go further than anyone else that I've seen. A lot of people compared him to John Stones. I think he's miles better than John Stones. This this lad has got everything you need on a centre back. He's 22, 21 now. Um, he won't be at Everton long. He will not be at Everton long. I'd be surprised if he's still here this time when we're talking this time yeah. next year. Um, he's lightning quick. You, you don't often see pace with a centre-half that's a big lad. Yeah. He's six foot four and he can. he's rapid, absolutely rapid. We played him at left-back. We played him anywhere across the back four, really. Just doesn't phase him at all. Uh, even that game last night you were talking about David Palace, the lad is not phased by any of it whatsoever. Um, and yeah, like I said, people say, I was like John Stones. John Stones was great. He was a player that you could step forward and play in, as a defensive midfield player. 
Um, this lad could do that. He could do a job for you anywhere. Bigger, quicker. Um, I, I'd say more advanced at this stage than John Stones was when we got him. So yeah, I mean, it, it's the type of thing traditional with Everton these days that you look at like a you look at a player that is like really, really good. You think they're not going to stay for long. Let's see how much money we can get for them. <laughs> this is it. This is it. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. But we we'll ask a couple of questions now, Dave, before we do wrap up. Right, but we'll well we'll finish on the future. But of yeah. the Mashiri ownership, what's been the big pro? If you have to pick one thing, what's been the pros of of the ownership? What's been the big the big items that he's got right in your opinion, if any? Well, yeah, I mean, what what you couldn't deny from him is the new stadium. He assured that for, for us when he came in, yeah. wanted it as quickly as he could. Obviously, taking a lot of time to come about with it. Um, but uh, any of you guys being by it now, it looks phenomenal. Yeah, it looks great. Um, it looks stunning. It's um, it's everything we wanted when we were when we were told about that. Um, he's put a lot of in, a lot into that. Um. I suppose the flip side of that is the issue we have right now um, with what's going on with the ownership. I think as well, when he first came in, to say any credit towards him is if you come into a football club and you've got billions to spend, you're just going to say to whoever is going to sign footballers, there you go, mate, go and get what you want. He wasn't as um, controlling as he became within the next few years. He was able to go and get a director of football like Walsh, you know, Again, in another lifetime, Walsh goes and does what he did at Leicester. And you're praising Farad Mashiri. Things we understand things can happen that quickly, and and in like you know, in a second, it could be a completely different situation. You know, that's what it's like with stuff like that. So, I mean, in terms of giving him credit, probably the wrong term. Not blaming him completely yeah. is probably the <laughs> other side of it. If you get what I mean. Yeah. And then the position we're in now. Um, it's uh, it's sort of tug of war now. It feels like a tug of war with him. Desperate to see him go. He seems to want out. Uh, well, it's pretty obvious. It's, he wants out. Yeah. And it's what what amount of money he can get for us now. I think that's the issue. And then um, I went to I went with the club um, a couple of months ago, and they showed me a fantastic sort of uh, show of what the new stadium's going to be like, the, the revenue they're going to get, basically everything you need. A club in t- these days is revenue to be able to spend. Yeah. The really sad thing was I nearly walked out crying because I'm thinking it doesn't matter now because even when we get revenue in, we we need to go and give it to a bank or we need to go and give it to the Premier League. We can't actually use it to go and get some players. Yeah, it's a killer, absolute yeah. killer. So the major cons would well, that toys in really, doesn't it? Like you know, there's there's been a lot of mistakes well, and <clears throat> the big the big one with this now, mate, is. Um, you know, outside of what I think yourselves, anyone sort of local around, Evan will look a bit deeper. You'll have heard of this this company called Seven Seven Seven. Yes. Um. That that is the equivalent. I've mentioned that name a couple of times, which obviously you'd have all shaken when I've mentioned the the two idiots that in twenty ten were with you guys. This looks like the real deal type of them. This <laughs> company. I've done yeah. quite a bit of work on this and. Um, I made a good friend over in Miami, which is where they're based. And he does a lot of work. He's done work with them, but obviously doesn't anymore. But he's got a lot of lot of uh, a lot of say in what they were like. Really good journalist at the New York Times. And I had a chat with him for a couple of hours on one of our podcasts. And I was asking him, you know, what what he's dealt really deep. He's digged really deep with these these people. And he said, it comes to a point, he said with them that what they do is 
by clubs. They've got several clubs of their own. Uh, I think Seville's one, uh, Hertha Berlin are one, a uh, couple of the Brazilian clubs, and each of them have helped protests to want these yeah. people out, right? Yeah, the difference with these like guys is, he said the way they refer to things is they'll go in, buy a club, and then take loans from wherever they get them to run the club, and then when they reach a certain level, they then sell them, pay back the loan, and whatever they've got is profit. And that's what these guys are known for, not just in football. Um, mm. And with that, he said that the, the officers that they have in Miami, he said it got to that bad at one point that they didn't pay their electricity. So staff couldn't go into work. He said that's that's how bad it got one time for them. And, um, you know, I mentioned that that reference to Ven Keys at Blackburn and many people probably heard of them and what they did there and ripped, ripped that club apart. Yeah. These seem to be on the line. I don't. I don't think it's going to happen now because I think the Premier League, for once, wouldn't allow that sort of thing to happen and come in. Um, that, that says there was a story about Chelsea today, wasn't it? And they're going to allow some company from wherever to come in. Yeah. So I don't know why it's not happened with Everton, but thankfully it hasn't. Well, thank yeah, exactly. Thankful, yeah. you know. For yeah, once, I mean, I it's, it's think... still not being thoroughly um, confirmed because then the two owners of it turned up at Goodison for a couple of uh, couple of games and whatnot, but. I don't think it'd be Machiri's decision to let them not yeah. sign us because I think he's desperate to get out. He just sell to anyone. He'd give it to anyone. Just no, to exactly. Get out. And I think where he sees his money up is that how much he's invested in the new stadium and how much Everton will make when he gets to the new stadium. Yeah. Question then becomes what league they're in. Um, and the other group, just to mention quickly, mate, was this this really good company in the States called MSP, um, who, you know, clean as a whistle as, as, a, as a club. Yeah. As a company who wanted to come in and invest initially and then buy us eventually. And uh, sadly, typical Everton style, mate, that, that, that fell out quite quickly. So, yeah, the, the things that, as it stands, are, you know, you've got, we've asked a lot of polls on this. Basically, who would you choose? You go, you're going down the line of a fourth, who would you choose? 777 or Farad And the, the thing that, that shows you every, everything the situation's about is most people would rather have fired up Shady than the ones who are trying to take us over. So that, that's evident in a nutshell these days. But you know, I suppose on that it's it's good that there is that sort of there's not the the fanfare and you know the way we were saying you can be Mashiri's coming in, you get blinded by the fact that he's a billionaire. Yeah. Fans are a bit wiser to it now and yeah you, that, that that's you, a really good point been, because it, it means you think yeah I mean and, 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 and again I'm sorry to keep referring to it but that was exactly what I've always seen from Liverpool is when FSG came in for uh, Hicks and Gillette, that, mm. that seemed to be a way that Liverpool fans operated was, right, with it holding these to scrutiny. Yeah. Every single thing they do. I think that's quite right. And I think that's what, that I think you, you, you spot on there in terms of fans thinking, hang on a minute, don't be signing pieces of paper when we haven't properly looked at these guys and mm. found out what they've done. I.e., like I've said to you about that guy I spoke to, you know, it looks great. All and again, as fans, our, our heart leads our heads. You look at stuff like that, and you think, "Wow, we're going to be taken over. Machine is going to go. Let's all go for a pint and celebrate." Well, you know, be careful what you wish for. Is, is the thing that yeah. I'd, always, I'd always say about our club. Now, Owen is saying that he's not a fan of the type of ownership seven 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 would provide. But generally, yeah, you know, as well that point there, you know, the, a, a proper point, yeah. But. Genoa, I've seen stuff. I actually the the club I coach in over in Dublin are actually tied to Genoa. It's funny, and I was actually reading something that there is a bit of discontent there as well. So I suppose you just 
all you want from your your club day i'm not speaking for evertonians i speak for myself you want to be able to go out and enjoy your team on a saturday or a sunday or a fucking thursday and these days every day mm. as it is nowadays go out and enjoy the football and it's an escape and it's you know it when it gets to this stage where it's becoming bitter and it's taking over everything that you do and you know a defeat on a saturday and you're like a demon all week you know what i mean you get to we get too invested in these things but it, I, my opinion on everything is you are at a big crossroads now and it's it's a really important because you touched on the stadium there and what happens if you go down like what's the thinking if everything go down because that stadium looks amazing that they're, they're gonna have there is there a, a risk of it being an albatross or is everything covered? Do they need Premier League football for that to, to be sustainable? Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, straight away the answer is yes. You, you need to have Premier League clubs to go and play there. Now, people may refer to Sunderland who had the, the Stadium of Light yeah. when they built it. Premier League club, record crowds, things like that. When they've gone down, you look at them whenever you watch a championship game, and there's you know you see seats all over the place, and they're not going to fill it. They're not going to fill half of it, yeah. um, unless it's this Newcastle game we're about to see, um, yeah. which would be actually be Newcastle fans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. Probably more more Newcastle fans who enter as away fans, and they're at home. Yeah. You see that, and I've been to a few away games of ours there, and it's it's a shame to look at. You know, if you yeah. actually done asked, it's a shame to look at. I actually look at if we win a Premier League club you're looking something similar to what happened to Coventry, uh, MK Dons, maybe not to that level of extent yeah. where you're battling the, the bloody council to get it because this is Everton's. Yeah. But you, I think you're looking at a stadium there where they probably close the top half of it, you know, yeah. and just have to – it's a horrible thing to think of, mate, but that, yeah. that, that's what happens. That, that's how things happen like this, you know. Now, don't get me wrong, every blue – well, we – Sell out Goodison, for instance, 40,000, 39,000 a week when we play at Goodison. We've got, what, 52,000 here. Everton getting that won't be any problem. Won't be a problem at all. Do you know what? Having said what I did, it wouldn't be a problem to get that initially Yeah. in the Championship. It's then what happens on yeah. from there. You get Everton going. If you Everton go down and they're not completely, at least with the playoffs... You're not telling me you're getting a full house. You're not telling me you're getting half of that filled. You know, even I go as far as saying very similar. But look at West Ham. West Ham are a big club down in London. Yeah. When do you ever see that place full? I don't think I've ever seen that place full. And what have they got yeah. there? Seventy or eighty thousand? Is Something, it? Yeah, I don't think it's yeah. eighty, but I think it's it's around the sixty, sixty odd, isn't it? Yeah, and you've got a running it... ring around it and all yeah. that, mate. It's uh, it, it's quite a. It's probably worth a good look at like it's an extensive thing to look at with new stadiums, but yeah, yeah. I mean that's built as Everton wanted to be. It's compact. Um it's got I mean the, the idea was to get a little bit like Dortmund's. Um and, and there's an end that's like that. They've they've used what um Spurs as a model as well. Yeah. Spurs ground's fantastic. They've done all of that, they've done all the hard work, they've built all the hard work, meant to be going into it in 18 months' time, although it'll be ready in one year's time. You know, if we're, we're sitting there in a year's time for what, what is it now, eight months until the new season starts yeah. and Everton are in the Premier League, mate, you know, I, I think Everton would probably be more likely going down another division than coming back up. Yeah. And that's the worry, isn't it? That's, you know, I know, and look, some people laugh at that sort of stuff, but it, it's a genuine issue. No, I, you know I, what I mean? Mate, like, if I was a Liverpool fan, loads of Liverpool fans listening to us now, 
I'd be laughing. I'd be laughing my head off at what I'm saying about Everton right now. I'd yeah. be doing the same with uh, Liverpool. That, that's don't... the way we are as fans. But you're right. I mean, the thing with it, I think, I was, I was having an interesting chat about this. So separate to what we've spoken about, there was like Liverpool fans. Would you be happy if Everton went down? And of course, a lot of them, most of them, probably say yeah. I'd say slightly older fans would say I'd be devastated if Everton went down because I don't mm. ever want to miss a Merseyside derby. For most Reds, yeah. Merseyside derby is the biggest game of the season. You, you'll have many who say, no, it's United. It's always United. But a lot would say Merseyside derby, regardless of how good Everton or how, how bad Everton are, that's always our biggest game of the season. And Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd probably say it. Everton in the Premier League without Liverpool wouldn't feel the same. Um, yeah, and I'd like to think that's reciprocated, but I don't think it is. <laughs> I know. I, I think I think you touched on something. I think a lot would be the same. <laughs> and from look, obviously I'm in Dublin. The Manchester United thing is more prevalent to us over yeah, there because there's more yeah, United yeah. fans than Everton fans over there. It's it's Liverpool Everton, and that's that's the way it goes. Yeah. But something that uh, Garrett Roberts touched on when we done the Liverpool show on this was he was sort of worried about what would happen to the area around Goodison. Good point. I never yeah. move. Now he did say it will bring sort of work and trade to Bramley Moor that needs it down there. But is there any fears for <clears> the area? Now I know Liverpool are still there and it's not a million miles away, but you know, there's a lot of activity around County Road and all that sort of stuff. Like what's what's the feeling? Yeah, about? mate, that, that's an excellent point he's made there. Um and the initial plan, which I'm not too sure is the same now, was when Goodison eventually gets sort of pulled down. They're making it into a community area, which has got um, a lot of hub-based stuff, which is yeah. already there anyway, just outside of Everton, which they've made to their credit. It's really, yeah. really good. Everton in the community are, are absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, they, they deserve a lot more credit than the actual club football-wise does itself. There's <laughs> yeah, amazing yeah. people who get involved in that. But they're essentially going to make it into housing around there and things like that, which is great. <clears throat> but as Gareth mentioned there, the area it's in, <clears throat> In L4, it's um, the terrace houses around it and all that. It's like obviously a lot of local fans live there and whatnot. Yeah, then without how they work without Goodison, how sort of rental things and issues around them work without Goodison remains to be seen. But when he when he talks about County Road and the sort of small little companies, small little shops and all that around there, yeah, I mean, I, unfortunately, I, I can't see that being any sort of positive, really, because yeah. let's face it. The club aren't going to turn around and say, "Here's a few quid here because we've there's not a game up the road now." They're not going to care about that, no. you know. You've got like I don't know, Jimmy's corner shop there. I mean, he's he's not going to get as much money as he does on a match day. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that that's again quite quite a sad thing. It shows you the way modern finances move, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Um, exactly. It's but again on the, the the flip side of it there where you mentioned uh, Bramley Moor Dock. There'll be a lot of businesses in and around there. There's a lot of companies. That, that, that Titanic Hotel is being built yeah. there with that in mind. I mean, they're going to be fantastic, aren't they? They're going to be as much money as they want. Yeah. But given the area where it is, the dock road that's around it, everywhere around there is, is what, like I said, it's from the dock. It's where you see dock workers. It's where you'd see imports and export stuff. Round there, you'd think you know there's there's a real opportunity to be made for people, but it yeah. leaves it leaves everybody else there in L four. Yeah, it's I no mean, good to them. I mean, there's no benefit I mean, to that area. Well, the point that the that, that has made there as well, I'd be interested to get his, his idea on what Liverpool side of the park 
does that affect them in any way, shape or form? Because obviously we're always at home and away on alternate days, alternate yeah. weeks. So Liverpool at home, yeah, obviously around there is going to be chockheads and loads of people around there. When Everton at home, a lot of people will walk down from that side yeah. who do put a bit of profit in. So I'll be interested to see that how that works. Isn't the it? impact. But, and, um, and that's what Garrett was sort of touching on as well. He was saying, you know, it, about Liverpool, about the walk FSG are trying to do, but the impact, you know, it's all well and good focusing on Anfield. Yeah. But, you know, there's other, as you say now, if there's no there's no um, traffic coming through for the, the Goodison games, you know, that yeah. has an impact on some of the shopping stores around Monday there. Monday football, it's always working class people that see the price, isn't it? Yeah. That's pay it. the price, so it's um, yeah, it's 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 sad to see that, and even worse, mate. Imagine, <laughs> imagine all these places fall apart, and you've got to go down to Bramley Moor to see League One or uh, Championship <laughs> actions. You know what I mean, mate? It couldn't even get any worse, could it? Don't even worry about that, Dave. It'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> Listen, before I let you go, before I let you go, what yeah. what do you see? The is there roses in the future for everything here, or is there still a bit of skepticism? Do you, do you think you're gonna? <laughs> This is the you've gone through enough show you that now there's a stadium on the way. If you can get it right with your next owners, I think it's gonna look up for everything. Do you think? Yeah, broadly. Um yeah, I'm a little bit more optimistic. Um but I think I don't think it's got I would go as far as saying it's an optimistic future on our hands. Very easy to say yes, because of the new stadium. But as we've spoken for for the last most part of the hour, the issues that Everton have are still firmly in the ground. Yeah. Um, new owner, absolutely. You, you need a new owner for this. If Mercedes still there when we move in in a year and a half time, let alone if we're still in the Premier League, uh, uh, th- there are big issues there. There are still big issues there. Um, on the pitch, I think that we have a team that's good enough certainly to stay up. I think we've got a manager who's been... I mean, I, I didn't want him whatsoever when he first came yeah. in, but when you look at it now, he's probably the, the, the absolutely the right guy that we needed, and he yeah. is right now still. He plays a style of football where he doesn't care how much his team have the ball. He just knows what they need to do when they've got yeah. it, um, which is, is that sort of pragmatic approach is great for us from him. You've seen that, like I said, without those deducted points, we'd be comfortably mid-table. Um don't mind that side of it. Obviously, we have any money to spend. That needs to be a big thing that goes with it, which isn't. But I think he you've seen quite quickly he's made the best about that out of what he's got. Um so I'm going as far as saying I still think Everton will be the Premier League side. Um and stay in the Premier League without us every year having to have this chat about can you can't yeah, you stay up. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, maybe the other side of it, it, it just looks so far in the future. That it, it's really difficult to say it's going to be okay at some point because, yeah. like I said, you'll get you'll still get companies coming in like that seven seven seven. There'll be loads of them out there who think we can go and make a lot of money from Everton here, but not give a shit about what goes on on the pitch. Um. So yeah, mate. I'm, I'm, I hate to say it, but it's much more belief than it is positive. <laughs> yeah, that will. What a way to end, Dave. Listen. Yeah. Well, Dave, I wouldn't say it's a nice way to end me. <laughs> well, do you know what? It could have been worse. It could have been worse. But, it can always um, be worse, can't it? It can always be exactly, worse. Exactly. But listen, Dave, thanks very much for coming on and talking about everything. And I'm sure when people listen to this, uh, they're going to really enjoy it because it's great to get that. You know, you can be too insular in your own club sometime. And it's great to hear. We can all build our own opinions 
and the wrong opinions, you know, but on information, yeah, yeah. disinformation, misinformation. But it's great to get the, the the thoughts of people on the ground. So, look, I really appreciate you coming on and giving oh, up your pleasure, time mate. for this. Um, I've really enjoyed it. And um, yeah. I hope everyone else does. And where can people find you if they want to want to catch you out in the future? Uh, pretty much best going on Twitter at the Blue Room EFC. Um, I am if, if these times I go on it now, actually, mate, because I am getting absolutely yeah. slated because <laughs> I thought I've seen why Calvert Lewin got sent off against Crystal Palace. Nobody yeah. else does, mate. So, you know, if you want to see some fun and games on that with the, <laughs> the right level of abuse you see on social media and all that kind, yeah, feel free to go and do it right now and listen to what, what, what I was saying. But, um, yeah, we have loads of Reds that listen to us, actually, because yeah, they actually very think good. like this. Yeah. They, they love to see what's going on at the club when yeah. it's going to shit. So, um, <laughs> yeah, give, give us a listen if you want. And, um, yeah. yeah, give us your opinions as well, as always. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, everyone get on the Blue Room. It's very good. Um, Dave, again, thanks for coming on. Um, we'll, I'm sure we'll see you again on on these show, on one of our shows soon enough. So uh, we appreciate the time. Um, this has been the helm. I've been your host, Keith. That's been, I guess, Dave. And we'll see you all again soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.